Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. I know you. And that seems like a really weird concept, but don't worry, we'll break it in. Uh, we'll kind of go deeper into it. But uh, it kind of the thought process started a little bit into me when I had something happen a few few weeks ago, a month or two ago, something like that. It never happened to me before. It felt really weird. Basically, someone walked up to me, and they just kind of got real close, and they're like, hey. And I was like, hi. <laughs> and I had no idea who they were, never seen them before. And they were just like kind of close to me, and then they just kind of they didn't say anything else. And so I just kind of was like, this is awkward, you know? And then finally, so I put out my hand and I said, I'm Taylor. <laughs> and they said, oh, I know who you are. I know all about you. And then I was like, I'm taking my hand back. You know, this is weird, right? And it was like really uncomfortable and really weird. And then they said, oh, I've seen you preach. And I've seen you on Instagram and I've seen you on Facebook. And I, and I know a whole bunch about you. And which is really sweet and really flattering. And I was like, oh, cool. Wow, I've never had a fan before. That's weird. Like, okay, is this what Chris Pratt feels like? You know, like, and so, but I was like, oh, cool. Awesome. And it felt really awkward. Like, I didn't even know what to say. It was really weird because it, it was, I had this realization, like, and I felt kind of creeped out. The idea that someone knows all about you and you've never met them before. How many of you feel a little kind of weird by that, right? It was weird. It was kind of a weird feeling, right? And it was super, they ended up being really sweet and really nice and stuff, but it just, it kind of weirded me out a little bit. And I kind of had this thought, okay, that you see friends, they know a lot about you, but the way they know you, it kind of matches your level of experience with them, right? It's like, like Michael and I, we've been through some stuff together, right? And so you could be like, oh, they're friends and we're good friends because we've seen some stuff. We've been through some things. How many of you have someone where you're like, okay, We've, we've been through it together, right? We have, that's why we're good friends. But you see, someone who's just kind of a fan, it's someone who knows a lot about you, but it doesn't really match the level of experiences they've had with you, right? Meaning like, I know all about this actor, but I've never experienced anything with him right? And that's just a fan, right? A stalker is a creepy version of that, right? That's going to be, they know a lot about you, and you're like, I don't want any experience with you. You go away, right? You're creepy, right? But basically, the idea of friendship comes from this place of experiencing time together. And I love, I mentioned Chris Pratt. I love Chris Pratt. I think he's hilarious. He's one of my favorite actors. I was watching him for years when he was just on TV and stuff like that before he was like crazy famous. And basically, picture this just crazy scenario. If I showed up at his house and I answered the door and he's like, hey, and I did the whole, hey. He'd be like, hi, who are you, right? And if I said, oh, I'm Taylor, imagine something just absurd like crazy. I'm like, I'm the president of the Chris Pratt fan club, you know? And we go around town and we do, we help the poor. We do great things for, for people and we do it in honor of you. He'd probably be weirdly flattered and creeped out at the same time. Like there's this club doing things in my, with my name attached to it. And I don't know who they are, right? And it, and it'd be this kind of this weird moment of, okay. And then, but can I come inside? He'd be like, no. How did you get past the gate? You know, like, how did you even get this far, right? It'd be really weird, really absurd. So when I was in Spanish class, okay, they taught me two different words for the word to know. Ser, which is like to know facts. You say like, yo no sé. I said that all the time 
in Mexico. It's like, I don't know, right? Right, Saber, sorry, Saber, right? Yeah, there you go. See, see, she knows. Yeah, tu sabes, <laughs> right? And so, right? And so, but, uh, <laughs> right? And then the other word, conocer, is that right? That means to know like a person, right? And it basically means you've met them. So there's knowing facts and there's knowing someone. I've met them. There's an experience involved, right? Okay, so my question this that we're going after tonight is basically how would you describe your relationship with God? Is it saber? Is it I know facts about him? That's religion. I know a lot of information about God. Or is it that conocer? Is it that I have met him? I actually know him. When someone says, do you know God? Is it like, yeah, I know a lot about God. It's like, oh, wait, no, no, no. Do you know him? Have you met him? Better yet, the question is this, does God know you? You see this, God knows, like Saber say, right, all that stuff. He knows every fact about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head, right? He knows that every year mine get less, right? He knows that. He knows that, right? <laughs> he, knows, he knows your very DNA structure. He knows your, like the future. He knows more facts than you will ever know about yourself. But the conocer, has he met you? Does he have experiences with you, right? And yeah, Jacob, can you shut the door? Thanks. Can... Does he have experiences with you? Or are we just fans? The amount we know about God doesn't match the amount of experiences we've had with God, right? Are we at a friendship level with him or just like a fan from afar? You see, when I was younger, um, I was a big Jesus fan, right? I went to church. I went to a Christian school. I got graded on how well I knew the Bible. Like I knew so many facts. I could tell you stories. I memorized parables. I could tell you all the different arguments as to why Christianity was the right one. All right. And if I met Jesus, I'd probably be like, oh, Jesus, I'm your biggest fan. Right. You know, I would say, I love that verse about this, or I love the story when you walked on water. How did you do that? You know, and I would probably totally nerd out, totally geek out. Right. But I would just know all these stories. But where I was in life, I wonder if he'd be like, have we really met? Because I knew so much about him, but I didn't know how to talk to him, right? And this is actually biblical, okay? This is, this is the verse that kind of launched all this off. Matthew 7, okay, verses 21, starting there, says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father, in heaven will enter. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. Dang, that's intense. This is an intense verse, right? What's crazy is he says he calls them workers of lawlessness. But they just read off, they didn't break any laws. They weren't doing seemingly wicked things. In fact, they said, we prophesied over people. They said, we casted out demons. We did amazing works in your name. 
And he says, workers of lawlessness. That seems like, what? Like, that's the opposite of what I would have thought, right? I thought he'd be like, dude, you're so righteous. Look at everything you've done for me. In fact, he's like, I don't even know you. You're workers of lawlessness. And when I read that, I was like, what? This is crazy, right? But then when I thought about it, and I was thinking, how is this lawlessness? Well, what do you call it when someone uses your identity without you giving them permission? It's identity theft. If, if, I, if, if I, in Chris Pratt's name, did all this stuff for him, he'd be like, what? I don't even know you. When you, if you do stuff and someone say, if you came up to me and said, Taylor, on behalf of your name, I donated a million dollars of your money to charity. Aren't you proud of me? I gave it to the poor. I'd be like, thief, <laughs> right? Because you didn't have, I don't know who you are. You took my money. I don't know who you are. And, and like, but aren't you proud of me? I used it for the poor. And I'd be like, I'm calling the cops, right? Because I don't know you, right? And this is what he did. They were focused on, wait, 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 we did your will. We prophesied, we did, de- we killed, we got rid of demons or whatever. We did all these acts in your name. And he's just like, you did it in my name, but I don't know you? That's lawlessness, right? And so what's crazy is he says, you did not do my will. And then they give him a long list of like all that stuff they did, right? And he says, no, 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 that's, that's not it. And then he says, I don't know you, which tells me that the will of the father that he was looking for was to know you. Because he says, you never did my will. And they said, yeah, we did. We did all this stuff. And he says, no, you never did it. I don't know you. That right there says that was his will, to know you. And so that word, when he says to know you, it's this Hebrew word, yada, yada. Everyone say yada, 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 yada. Right, yada, okay? And it's the word, it means know. It's like conocer, like to know, right? But it doesn't mean to know facts, because you'd be like, what do you mean, Jesus? You made me. What do you mean you don't know me, right? And he says, no, 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 that's not, that's not what this word means. The, that word yada, it, it means uh, a bunch of different ways, but one, oh, the way a husband knows his wife, the way two friends deeply know each other. It's a deep, vulnerable knowing. It's a knowing that comes from experience. It's that knowing that's like, Michael and I, we've been through some stuff together. Like we know each other, right? It's this word, it means that you have this, this history together. You know their quirks. How many of you have that friend where they just walk in the room, you see their face and you're like, uh-oh, something's wrong. <laughs> you know, like you just know by the look of their face how they're feeling, right? That's this word. You know their quirks. You know they're, uh, they're, they're good, they're bad, all that stuff. You know that tone of voice, okay? They could be trying to lie to you, and you're like, no, I know you. Tell me the truth, right? That's, that's what this word means. And so he's not saying, I don't know who you are. He's saying, I've never had that with you. He says, I never had this secret history with you. I've never had experience with you. He says, go away because I don't know you. Like, I don't know you like two best friends know each other. I don't know, like you don't know my quirks and I don't know your quirks because we've never spent time together. I know your blood type and your DNA and your hair and I designed it all, but we've never had time, just the two of us together. 
Have, the thing is, is does he know you? Meaning, does he know what it's like to be your sole focus? Does he know what it's like to be alone with you in the room? I know he's everywhere. So yeah, of course he knows what it's like. No, no, no. What I mean, does he know what it's like to be the only one that has your attention in the room? Does he know what it's like to be alone in your room and you're just talking to him? Have we ever given him that chance? Does he know what it's like to walk on the beach with you alone and you just talk to him the whole time? Does he, does he know what it's like? He knows exactly what happened in your day. He was there. He saw it all. Does he know what it's like, though, to hear about your day from your perspective? You know, I could see, like, I could see a little kid, like, hit another kid, and they get in a fight, you know, and then they come over here. And then, but what I do, I get down and be like, tell me what happened. I want to hear from your eyes what happened. I, I saw the whole thing. Right, right? But I need to know from you what happened. And then they'd be like, he hit me. And I know, no, you hit him first. I saw it, right? But, but oh, you believe he hit you first, you know? Like, let's talk about this, right? There's this, he wants to know from you. Jesus is, the reason he's being so intense about this is because he's changing the culture. You see, the culture during this day basically said, as long as you do the laws, as long as you do the rules, you'll get into heaven. As long as you fulfill X, Y, Z, you don't even really need to know God. You just did a lot of good works, so now you can get to heaven. And Jesus comes in the scene, and he flips it. And he says, you did all the works, but you can't come in because you never knew me. And he's shifting a cultural mindset in this moment. When I was, when I was younger, I, I made the mistake of believing that I was a good or a bad Christian based on my works, Right? You're like, uh-oh, I said a no-no word today. I don't know if I'm a Christian anymore. Jesus is mad at me, you know? Right, oh no, oh no, I lost it again. I'm not going to heaven again, right? And uh, you're always worried. I'm like, today I'm a good Christian because I read 10 chapters of the Bible, right? Oh no, I watched TV for seven hours yesterday. I didn't read the Bible. I'm a bad Christian, right? And I made my faith completely dependent on my works, and I'd feel better about myself when I had a good Bible study, right? I'm the man. I studied the Bible, right? But then I remember I watched eight episodes of Lost in a row, you know? And I was like, afterwards, I felt like, ugh, I'm horrible, <laughs> right? Like, I feel gross, right? Because I didn't spend time with God at all today. And I made my faith completely based on the actions and on the works, right? And a lot of us do this. And if you... Okay, think of it like this. Let's take it in a relationship analogy. If you read a hundred books about dating, does that make you a good boyfriend or girlfriend? You're like, I'm an expert on dating. I have a degree in it. I've read a hundred books on it, right? Do you have a girlfriend? No, no, no. But I am an expert when it comes to relationships, right? You know? That doesn't make any sense. If I want to know if you're a good boyfriend or girlfriend, I want to look at your relationship and say, like, let's see if this is, how do you treat each other? What, is, what does he or she say, <laughs> right? But so many of us think we're a good or bad Christian based on what we know about God rather than how well we know him. Knowing information is good. Like, read all the dating books. Like, it's good. Love that stuff, right? But it doesn't count as the relationship 
What makes a good boyfriend, girlfriend is seeking to know them, spending time together, laughing together, crying together, right? Serving each other out of love, not out of the place of like, I have to do this in order for you to stay with me, <laughs> right? This giving each other time, listening, how do you feel? What do you think about this? Asking each other questions. These are what make healthy relationships. And this is what Jesus wants. That's why he says he's coming back for a bride. Because he says, I want to know you like a husband knows his wife. This is what I want. I'm not worried about the works. I'm worried about, I want to know you. This is what he's looking for. And so, basically, I want to take the approach of what if we look at getting to know God and God knowing us just the same way you would about a relationship, right? About, about jumping in, how do you make a healthy relationship? That is the same way you're gonna build a healthy relationship with Christ. Because a lot of times when I say, how do you build your faith in the Lord? People give me all these answers and they're good, but they're very head-based. And I wanna ask you, no, no, how do you build a relationship with him? So you tell me, I have a couple on here. Let's see if you get them. But I wanna hear from you guys. What for you, when you think about it, what are some of the most practical ways to get to know someone. You're like, hey, I really want to get to know Joel better, right? What is like step one, practical, this is how we get to know each other? Just yell it out, yeah. Yeah, put, put time aside. So spend time together, intentional time together, right? Right, great. Guess what point number one is? Spend time together, right? So basically, way to go, right? Okay, in order to grow any relationship, you got to make time to be together, right? No? Anyone? Yeah, right, right. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> right? So that word yada, it's a knowing through experience of spending time together. All throughout scripture, God is crying out, Jesus is crying out, I want time with you. He's not saying, I want you to know more verses about me. He's saying, I want time with you. In Matthew 6, 6, it says, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. He says, then your father who sees everything will reward you. He's like, hey, let's go away together. Let's get some time alone together, right? If you uh, think of a relationship with your parents, right? What if you only talked to them when there was 30 other people in the room? It'd be pretty shallow, right? And kind of weird. Yeah, how many of us talk to our Father God only when we're in a group of people? And then we wonder why it's seemingly a shallow, right? It's the same concept. He's a father. Talk to him in private, just like you would your dad or mom, right? And so how do you get to know God? Practical one, go do things alone with God. I love to go on hikes alone with God. Come on, when Jacob said that, I'm like, yes, man, after my own heart. Go on hikes alone, and I just talk to God while I'm hiking, right? Uh, go, I like to go in my car and I'll just blast loud music and just talk to God out loud, right? Sometimes I like move things off my chair. So I'm like, God, come sit down. You can't sit on a Starbucks drink, you know, right? Just, and I know that doesn't do anything, but it helps me to say, I'm going to believe God's here with me right now because he is. And I'm just going to talk to him out loud as though he was here, right? Uh, go for walks on the beach. I like to go to movies sometimes alone, right? I'm that creepy guy who goes alone to a movie, right? And so, but I'm not alone. I'm like, Lord, will you go see this movie with me, right? And so basically for you guys, what is that thing that you already love to do and have you invited God into it? The next one is this, what do you need to do for, to get to know each other better? 
What do you need in a healthy relationship? Listen and talk, which is communication. Exactly. Point number two, communication. Do you tell God what's on your heart? Right? He knows facts about your day, but does he know what it's like coming through your perspective? What relationship would work if you only spoke to them when you want to say you're sorry or you want to ask for something? Like, my girlfriend, hey, Laurel, I messed up again. Can we talk? Or, or hey, Laurel, I need something from you. And that's like 90% of a relationship. That'd be a train wreck, right? And yet so many of us, we only talk to God when we're repenting for sin or we need him to do something for us. You, the majority of your talking to God should be about other things. If sin is the main topic of your conversation with God, you are not living in the freedom Jesus paid for on the cross, right? You are not, like the majority of your conversation with God should be about other things, right? Yes, if I mess up, I'd be like, hey, Laurel, I'm sorry. I like I messed up, you know, kind of a thing, right? So yes, repent, right, to Jesus. Ask for things, he wants that. But 90% of your conversation with him should be about other things. Tell him your dreams, thank him. Tell him how much you love him. Talk about your day. Hey, God, work sucked today. Hey, God, this was awesome. I love that. You know, like, like tell him how you feel, right? The next one, so practically talk to him about everything. The next thing is this, the Bible is, is communication. That's why it's called God's word. It's him speaking to you, right? So when we read the Bible, do we just get it for information or do we take it as like we're listening to God talk to us? Do we open the word of God and do we just say like, oh, I read my chapter a day, keeps the demons away, right? And so, right, or, or do I, no, right? Do, no, it, it should be, I want to challenge you guys, don't think in regards like I read my chapter, thus I'm a good Christian, right? Honestly, I challenge people, don't do the chapter thing every day, do a time limit. Because your chapter, sometimes the chapter is five verses, Sometimes it's five pages, right? And so, and a lot of times what we'll do is we're like, oh, I'm short on time. Okay, I finished my chapter, I'm good. And we just read through it. Rather than what I do is I sit down and say, God, I'm gonna give you 30 minutes. And sometimes I stick on one verse. And sometimes I go through a whole page. But it gives me permission just to talk to God about his word. And I ask him about it. When I read a verse and I read it and it's really hard, I go like, oh, dang, God, that's a hard one. I talk to him about his words. And I pray as I'm talking to him. I read it and I go, oh, Lord, help me with that one. Right? This one says to, to forgive him. <laughs> right? And then we can talk about it. I would rather you go deep in one verse than to meet your quota of 10 chapters a day and finish the New Testament in a month. I love that stuff. Do it, but not at the expense of like just a to-do list. Right? Do you see my heart? Like make time to go deep with him. And the last one is this, is basically, what's a third thing? Let's see if you got my third one. You guys got it. You literally got it number one and number two in order. Let's see what number three is. Do you feel, what, what's something practically you need to grow a healthy relationship? Let's see. A couple, yeah. Vulnerability. That's right there. What's another word with that? Intimacy. You're close. He's right on it. It's like burning hot. Oh, so close. It's all a part of it. Right, no, I love it. All those things, yes and amen. So with the vulnerability, being vulnerable requires trust. Oh. <laughs> right, I love it. 
which is right there with vulnerability and intimacy and sacrifice. All those things require trust. Absolutely. So trust, you have to trust that you have security in him, right? How many of you want that paranoid boyfriend or girlfriend every day? Are we still together? Are we still together? Are we good? I'm sorry. I messed up again, right? Are we still okay? I know we were good last night, but I woke up this morning and I'm really scared we're not together anymore, right? Like, hey, you're, I didn't, you didn't text me 30 times before 9 a.m. Are we cool? Are we still together, right? No, like, come on, trust, there's a level of that that's attractive, right? Confidence and trust of knowing like we're okay. Assuming we're okay unless I say otherwise, right? I'll tell you if we're not, I'll, I'll let you know if there's an issue, but if not, assume we're good. And yet, how many of us approach God like he's angry all the time? We approach him like he's disappointed, like we messed up again, like he's angry again, all this stuff. And the Bible says it's not true. The Bible says he delights in you. He's proud of you. He's overjoyed with you. He's happy with you. And yet we're like, God, I'm sorry. Are we still together? Did I mess up? One of the most common questions I constantly get is how do you know if you're saved? You trust, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you're saved, right? You have to trust he means what he says. You're not walking on eggshells with God. He's actually really hard to offend, right? Because he put all that on Jesus. You can say everything to him and he's pretty good at not being like, <gasps> right? Just talk with him, man, Right? And so you got to have a trust that will allow you to boldly approach his throne and talk with him, is having that trust. When you, uh, how many think that it would be easy to get divorced? You just, you went to bed great and you woke up and you're divorced. Doesn't happen, right? You have to intentionally say, I don't want this marriage anymore, right? and intentionally file for divorce. If that's how hard it is for a human covenant of marriage to break, how much harder the marriage covenant of God with you when you got saved, right? Because if you think your relationship with him is based on works, then works are gonna have to sustain your relationship. But if you think it is based upon grace, then the grace holds your relationship even when you mess up. You could be a, a jerk to your husband or wife and you're still married and then you go, I'm sorry, I was a jerk, right? But the covenant still held you together. You can mess up in Christianity and the covenant will still hold you together, right? There is an extreme amount of grace, more than any of us believe there is. And so the only way I believe is if you openly are like, I don't want this anymore. And your lifestyle is running from God, right? And you're like, I don't want this anymore, right? And so, because the goal is not the actions, the goal is knowing God, knowing him. Kind of to, to end on this, basically, there's this verse I love, Acts 4. It says, when the men of the Sanhedrin, that was the Jewish high court, when they saw the confidence and the boldness of Peter and John and grasped the fact that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were astounded 
and began to recognize that they had been with Jesus. The idea is that there is this group of people who know so much about God, and they see the men who have been with Jesus, and they're astounded. And they say, how do these ordinary, untrained men speak so boldly? And they literally said, the answer is they must have been with Jesus. People can tell if you know a lot about God or if you've spent a lot of time with God. And would we be a people that people don't go like, wow, you know so much about God? Would we be a people that people say, wow, you really know God. You have spent so much time with him. You have a whole secret history with him because that's what it's all about, knowing him. And the works will follow, right? You serve your wife because you love her. We, out of knowing God, serve the poor, evangelize, worship, do these amazing works out of knowing him, but not to know him, not for salvation, but from him. So, Lord, we ask that tonight as we kind of process this in our small groups for the remaining 20 minutes or so, God, we just ask that, that you would go deep, that you would go, you would open our hearts. And we say we want you to know us, God, not just information, but we want to know you and be known by you. We want to spend time with you, connect with you. We want to be a people that the world looks at and says, wow, they have spent time with Jesus. God, I ask that there would be a fresh trust in our relationship with you. I ask that there'd be a fresh communication, like an unfiltered ability to talk to you as our spouse, God, and as our father. And God, I just ask that you would open up times where we can just spend more time together, that we would pull away and get time with you. We love you, Lord, and we ask that you be with us during the small group time. In your name, amen. Awesome, guys. Hey, so what we're going to do is we're going to get some kind of music on in the background, and we're going to break in small group time. you got a little while uh, just to kind of go through the, uh, some questions we have to kind of help you process this, okay? Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.